First thing, Monday morning, we received the first Kevin Durant real update that we've gotten in weeks, linking him to the Boston Celtics. What's real, what's not real, and are the Suns still in this? Kellen Olsen is here to break it all down with us. Let's go, Locked on Suns. You are Locked on Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past five seasons and a writer at suns.com and Dime Magazine. A big thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen today and every day. If you're finding us on your favorite podcast platform, go ahead, hit follow, hit subscribe, make sure that we're in your feed every single morning and If you're finding us on YouTube, a big shout out to you guys. That's the best way to support the show. So hit subscribe if you have not already and drop me a comment down below telling me what you make of this Boston report because that's going to take up the bulk of the show today. It was pretty substantive news, which I was not expecting to get for a while now that all the NBA folks are on vacation and it seems like we're in a holding pattern. So we'll break down exactly what it all means. Kellen Olsen of Arizona Sports is here to help us do that. And Kellen, let's just start there. Were you expecting we would get news of substantial, legitimate negotiations? Because this report had Boston making an offer centered on Jalen Brown. It had the specifics of that offer. It had what Brooklyn asked for in return, which was, no, we want Marcus Smart in addition to Jalen Brown, not Derek White, and maybe we want some more picks. This is the type of stuff that I was expecting on like July 1st or 2nd, and here we are on the 25th, and it kind of comes out of nowhere. Were you surprised like I was? Yeah, just because the holding pattern that we were in, like you you talked about, and also just the pattern that we were in, we didn't get anything specific. Like within the report is Sham saying that the Celtics like can get a deal done. Like there is a path to them getting Kevin Durant, which we haven't heard for any team. And I know... Suns fans listening are kind of in this headspace right now where the Suns are in the driver's seat. And I still believe that that's the case for sure. But we just kind of have to go off of all the information we have and like the reporting that's been done so far. And like the furthest we've gotten in a couple of different ways is what we just heard in the Celtics. This is the first time we've heard details of like a package because yes, we've thrown around hypotheticals of, players who could be involved and what a player and like look if if we're talking about the Suns and Kevin Durant that means Mikel Bridges is involved like salary wise value wise every wise like he's got to be in in the talks right so that that's the first part but the second part really is just that from a from a different perspective kind of looking at where we go from here it, it it's just how you interpret the information because yes it was yeah. big for this information to come but also why did it come because as you know and you can probably explain right now Brendan, there's always a why to what information comes out and, and the why here is i think pretty obvious yeah the man who opened all of our eyes to the why brian winhorst then went on your station today first thing in the morning and uh Sort of continued his 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 subtle battle with his coworker, which was a funny component of this whole thing, but we won't really dive into that too much. It was more so that he basically said this was old news to a degree. 
And that, that I think that's kind of always true if you listen to some of what newsbreakers <clears throat> tell us behind the scenes. They'll often admit that what is coming out is old. But in this case, this was not some random report from like local, a local TV guy. Like this was Woj telling us something in an article form first thing on a Monday morning. This was appointment news as it comes in the NBA. So we'll get to the why. That, let's actually, let's just do it right now. So to me, it's, it's, it's one of two things. And you can tell me if there's a third, Kellen, of, of why today, why did this leak at all? And where, why did that radio silence break all of a sudden? One is the Nets like the Boston package and they want to put pressure on the Celtics to give up smart and more stuff and or more stuff. Or, and potentially more like most likely, is they're using the talks that they had with Boston, if we believe Windhorse a little while ago now. Maybe they've moved on from those. Maybe they're still somewhat in play. Who knows? But what they were using this, rep- this leak to do is to establish a price, right? For the Suns, for the Heat, anyone else. Hey, we've had some substantive discussions with a, gr- a good team who can give us a great player who's young. You're going to have to beat that. Otherwise, that's on the table and we'll just take it. That, those two things feel like the most logical. They're kind of connected, but is there a third? And what do you think of that tactic from Brooklyn's standpoint? I don't, I don't think there's a third. I think it just comes down to the second one that you said. And because, like you said, the, the context from Windhorse was really important that it seems like this wasn't even recent. Like this was a while ago. And that's kind of what you and I and a lot of people have been speculating on over the past couple of weeks. It's like, okay, like it's really like freakishly quiet in terms of the details we have on this. Like there are lots of details. Like it's, it's Kevin Durant, which means pretty much every team has at least like called around. But we've barely heard a peep on this from that kind of standpoint. So for it to come out now, uh, after the the holding pattern that we were in was so much based on silence, to me, kind of indicates a I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this indicates a desire, Brendan, a desire to have it have it known and have the price known, and also again to the wording that I referenced, like we could get a deal done with the Celtics, like. Yeah, yeah. They, they have the players, like, if they give us this, this, and this, like, we can get a deal done. And and that is maybe the most unanswerable, not the most unanswerable question, but the most interesting question, obviously, is so many times in trade talks, Brendan, we look around and kind of go, okay, like, what does the package look like? What what do you have to include? Like, we know what the Suns package is. We already know what it is. It's Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, one of those three contracts on the mid-level, which if let's be honest, like the most valuable player out of those three is Jay Crowder. And it's not really close between those three. It's him. So it's, it's those three guys. It's the four picks because that's the max you can do. And it's the three, three swaps, which is the most you can do. So it's just a matter of have the Suns even gotten close to offering that yet to the nets. And if, if not, what are they waiting on? If so, are they out of it? And should they just move on to other things? And that's where we really have no idea. And to me, the way that I'm interpreting it is they haven't really gotten close yet, whether it's not the players that they want, whether it's one of the twins instead of both of the twins, whether it's two unprotected first round picks instead of four. Um, I, I'm not really sure. And and that's kind of where I wonder, like, are the Suns really willing to go like six weeks for this in order to maximize the value that they're going to get on this as opposed to, 
here's the deal that gets done. Cause that's, that's the other part of this. And I'll let you answer this. Like if you're the Celtics, don't you just do that? The one that Brooklyn wanted. <laughs> Am I crazy? <laughs> like the, the, the smart Brown, one more player. Let's just say it's Derek white or Grant Williams. And, and yeah. then the picks, like, don't you just do that if you're the Celtics? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I want, that's exactly where I wanted to go. I don't, uh, there we go. There, there's your video. You're back. Um, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I feel like Charlie Chaplin here. I'm, I'm miming your, <laughs> your words while I stare our audience in the screen. So yes, I think that was one of the questions that came to mind as I was prepping to have you on that. I was like, well, we're not a Celtics show and I don't necessarily know why the Celtics wouldn't do that. I guess that's for Boston people to think about, but I agreed with you reading that I was completely this in the same camp. Why would the, the Celtics not just say yes is smart really that valuable? I do think there's one component of it where it's like they're kind of giving up a lot of what makes them a special perimeter defense, but it's Kevin Durant. I think you maybe just do it anyway. The offense was far more of the problem for them than the defense was in the first place. So I don't know, but you mentioned something interesting as well, um, which is if the Suns have offered that deal, uh, if they've offered their, their sort of everything package, their best package. So... I want to dig into that. I think the answer is no, but I also think the why of that is a little bit interesting here, especially now that we are seeing some public negotiations played out and we and we actually have something to compare it to now with the Boston package. So let's get into a little bit of what the Suns' best offer is and, and when and if they'll ever actually offer it. First, today's show, guys, brought to you by Built Bar with their new delicious cookie dough chunk puff. We've been giving you basically a new flavor every two weeks. They are turning up everything during the summer. And look, I know that I get just honestly tired existing during the summer. Any workout or any activity that I do is going to tire me out exponentially more, like two, three, four times more. I just get wiped out in the summer. Uh, yes, my gym is inside. I don't have an explanation for you, but Bilt Bar has been a lifesaver because of that, and told you before, the cook, uh, the coconut brownie chunk puff, now the cookie, cookie dough chunk puff. And what you know about Bilt Bars are little pieces of the actual stuff are going to be in there. There's going to be cookie dough. There's going to be chocolate chips, I'm sure. But never are they going to waver from what makes them a Bilt Bar, which is 15 plus grams of protein, never more than 200 calories, a delicious collagen protein filled snack for before or after a workout, late night treat, maybe afternoon snack, whenever you need that pick-me-up, whenever you're hungry, ditch the calories, fat, or sugar, grab yourself a Built Bar. Go to Built.com right now, guys. Check out that cookie dough chunk puff or go back to your normal favorite and use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Okay, Kellen, so you mentioned there at the end of the segment, you don't think the Suns have offered their best. And I here's why I agree with you, and we'll just start here, because the other thing that this reporting did, like you said, it, it, it affirmed that the, Celt- that the Nets are sort of putting something on the table saying, we have this in our back pocket. Beat it, right? But what it also did is it sort of set a baseline for all of us, including the other people around the NBA who are trying to negotiate for Kevin Durant of, what they're willing to say yes to when they'll start talking 
etc. And I feel like the way I know the Suns have not made that, that Godfather offer, so to speak, or their version of it, is the Nets would have probably just called up Woj or Shams today and said the Suns are out. If they had off, if the Suns had made that offer and it wasn't enough, we would already know the Suns were out of these sweepstakes. But they're not. Very clearly, they're not. Even though you still see the the odd comment here and there of oh, well, since Deion Drayton got signed, they're not really in the running. I don't think there's any truth to that because of what I just said. Is that how you read the situation as it pertains to the Suns right now? Yeah, I think so. It was also weird the context of how this spiraled because you you mentioned Woj. Woj reported it at like. 11:30 at night that Boston was emerging and I made the joke that like they procrastinate like I do as in like a, like they didn't spend a month waiting to get in on the Kevin Durant sweepstakes this is just getting reported now for some reason and then it was like okay like they're in and then Shams just broke everything in the morning and was just like oh not only are they in here's who they offered and one of them one of those people was Jalen freaking Brown who's one of the what 20 25 best players in the league right now who is Someone who, if Brooklyn were to acquire him, you would think he has a couple of all NBA teams in his future. And certainly from a Suns perspective, even if I think that Mikel Bridges' name is kind of being underrated in terms of the trade package comparisons and all that stuff, like he doesn't compare to, to Jalen really at all from that standpoint. And, and especially when you're Brooklyn looking for like that signature piece in a return. Like it, it would, you would prefer it to be someone like Jalen Brown over Mikel, despite everything that Mikel does really well and how unique and rare of a player that he is. So I, uh, I was just like kind of shocked at how like the wave of information kind of came out. And now it's just a matter of, I don't even, I, I, this whole, this whole like thing, to be honest, I didn't know what to expect. Like when, when it happened three hours before for agency, I was like, is it going to be three Oh one and this deal happens? Like, I don't like where I didn't know like how much of this was like, in the fold before I didn't know how much of it had yet to unfold. And I still feel like I don't even know. Cause I don't, do you, do you get like how this should take longer than a week? Cause I don't besides like haggling over protections on picks and, and pride. Stuff. I just, yeah. I, I guess mean, I think the nets, I think that the, because we've had so long and I do a daily show, I actually have spent some time trying to think about this and we kind of, Got into it. I did a crossover show with the guy who hosts Locked on Nets going into the weekend last week. And it feels to me the best that I can read on it is like Brooklyn was so, frankly, it seems like embarrassed and frustrated with how Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving used the control that the franchise gave them over the past two years by demanding that they go after Harden and then basically blowing it up and leaving. And I think... There's a certain amount of wanting to reclaim control and what's left of Mark's and Sai's pride here that is kind of preventing them from just doing the, okay, he wants to go to Phoenix, what's the best we can get from Phoenix and let's move on with this thing. Um, that might be what they end up doing anyway, but they have to, I guess, do this whole show out of it uh, in the meantime. My question is, if we kind of map it out a little bit here, What's Boston's most realistic best offer if they're holding the line on Smart? Because I think if if the Smart thing it really is their line in the sand, and maybe that's all negotiating tactic too. But let's just operate from that. Jalen Brown, Derek White, is it? Would they go as high as two picks, three picks? It's something like that. And we know what the Suns is. It's Johnson, Bridges, 
salary and all of the pick options, right? If you're the Nets and knowing what their priorities probably are here, is there any argument that you think you can make that the Bridges, Johnson, four picks and three swaps deal is better than, let's say, Brown, White, and two picks? Is there is there anything that, that would make you more excited about that if you're Sean Marks than what Boston has to offer? Because that's probably where we're going to get here if Boston truly is interested. Uh, no, I, I don't think so. Because I, I think that to be the yeah to be the wet blanket here i i don't i don't think so uh i when gambo reported like an hour into this um that the nets weren't interested in deandre Aiden, i was like oh well i guess the suns aren't getting kevin durant then because like you can't there's no way that a trade for kevin durant can be finalized when someone Again, to preface again, so like this part doesn't get taken out of context, just like the last part, I think Mikel is a top 40, 45 player in the league. I think that there's literally no one like him in the entire league. But I also think that like the equity that players like Jalen Brown have with their on-ball level of play just trumps what Mikel does and, and, and does offensively for sure. So... All of that is to say, like, I, I just couldn't get behind that, like, a, the return for Kevin Durant could potentially be the best player involved, be, be someone like Mikel, um, who a lot of people, not me, will classify as just, like, a high-end role player, basically, you know? Like, the, the optics yeah. on that would be brutal. Um, but just for me personally, I think that someone of all-star, all-NBA quality, like, has to be included in the deal or they're, they're like, very well on their way. Like, that's where Scotty Barnes comes up. Like, Scotty Barnes hasn't made an all-star team yet, but, like, we would all bet, like, everything that he's going to make at least five of them, right? And at least with the way that his future is looking. that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, so for the Jalen Brown part, it just kind of goes back to, again, from Brooklyn's perspective, and it's – goes back to Durant like how much does he want to come to Phoenix is Phoenix preferred for him over other places I know Suns fans are yelling at the monitor yelling at their speakers whatever that we already know this it's like well we we all we know is all we know all we know is that is one of his two preferred destinations it's that in Miami and then we've had Zach Lowe and Sean Shrania both report that Phoenix is number one but is it like hey I would love to vacation in Miami or Los Angeles, but, like, if I have to pick one or the other because, like, the flight's more expensive one way, like, I don't really care that much, like, it's fine. Or is it, like, I want to go to Phoenix way more than I do want to go to Miami and then everywhere else, like, I don't really want to go there at all. And, like, if they want to trade for me, great, I'll play, but I, I don't really want to be there. That matters significantly, yeah. and we haven't gotten that level of detail of reporting yet. So it just it's not out there, and we can't speak for certain on anything with that in mind. But – it. I think that if that if that holds some weight, then the Suns are still like fine in this in this uh, mm-hmm. race for him. If you, that's the thing, doesn't it feel stupid to call it a race for Kevin Durant? A Kevin Durant sweepstakes because it feels like everyone's just twiddling their thumbs. Yeah, it's like the tortoise and the hare race, except there's no hare. Is what it yeah. kind of feels like. There's a there's just a bunch of very slow moving, where one team's courage and fortitude will win out, but I don't know really what happens between now and then. I think to your point, um, we don't know for sure where exactly he wants to be. You know, we're all to the point where we know that the minute Kevin Durant decides to speak is when all of this changes. I don't know 
when or if that will happen. I also think with regard to Miami, um, you know, we can quibble about the Mikhail Bridges value here, um, but Miami's package to me is even worse without Bam Adebayo being an option. So yeah, I think that helps yeah. the Suns, right? Like even if Miami is still somewhat of a contender for Katie wanting to be there, I think that that's at least one team that the Suns can beat in an offer, and that's good. But I want to get in. I want to make at least something of a case for why I don't think Brooklyn would prefer the Suns package, but maybe why they would be okay accepting it in the end. But before I do that, I want to at least just put into perspective because I think you're right, and I actually don't think your views of Mikhail are that crazy. I think that there are Suns fans because of who's listening to this show, which are people who really love the Suns, who probably think that it's closer than it actually is. So I do think it's worth just stating, like, Jalen Brown is a guy who's averaged 23-24 a game in the NBA on near 60% true shooting for two seasons consecutively. Didn't he score 40-something points in a finals game just a little bit ago? He's doubled his assist rate. His usage rate is over 30. He's not even in the same league as Mikhail Bridges as an offensive player. And by that, I mean Brown is in the higher league, of course. So that's what we're talking about. And they're really the same age. We feel like maybe Brown is older, but Bridges was so much older when he came into the league that they're really the same, effectively the same age. They're both on their second contract. Brown has a little bit of time left, a less time left on that contract, which is what I want to get to. But first, let's take a quick break. All right. So uh, as I was saying to end that last segment, the main place that I would start with why the Sun, why the Nets in the end would be willing to take the Suns' offer, it's two things, and I am fishing. I get that. But you're getting four years, Kellen, of prime Mikhail Bridges because he's just now starting that extension. And you're getting five years of prime Cam Johnson versus, I believe, two years of prime Jalen Brown. And I don't know how much time is left on Derek White's contract. I believe it may just be one year. And you get to, number two reason is, you get to make up for your lost stash from the Harden trade. And I do think that that's still important to the Nets is getting the, I think the picks are important. Would they like for them to be better picks than, you know, next year's Suns pick, which won't be very good? Yes, they would like for it to be better. But I do think if you're looking super far out, there's a chance that the Suns picks are maybe better than Boston's, right? So even if you're getting, let's say they get Boston to give up three draft picks, I think the Suns picks are going to be more valuable than those because you would imagine a future where there's no Chris Paul, no Kevin Durant. So that combination of the pick value and the length of time that you're getting Bridges and Johnson, that was the best that I could do. But I still think I come down on your side. I don't think Boston, I don't think that the Suns can beat Boston's offer. I just, in a vacuum, I just think if Boston played that card, which they now have played, of Jalen Brown being on the table, it was always going to be hard for the Suns to to get over that hump. Yeah, when we were speculating the first day, I basically did the exercise that Zach Lowe also did on his podcast, which was like zoomed out and said like, okay, this team, A, is like a, a contender for a championship if they get Kevin Durant, and then B has like a package that works for Kevin Durant and then C they have like the, I was, I've been calling it like the blue chip kind of like player to like involve in this. So this is like where Scotty Barnes has come up so much. This is where you go to new Orleans. And we were talking about Zion before he signed his deal. Now he's off the table. What Brandon Ingram technically could get wiggled in there. 
This is where the Ben Simmons thing makes things so complicated and where we've talked about Donovan Mitchell. Uh, and then Boston came up with Jalen Brown too. Uh, and and I, I talked about this like a month ago and, and I thought that was really going to be the breaking point from like the sun's perspective is like, that's when you start to get to a point where you can get out bid. Cause I didn't think the Suns were in a position, especially uh, before the eight and stuff. And before he resigned, I did not think they were in a position where they could really get out bid just cause it didn't seem like we were getting those kinds of players involved. And that's the crazy thing is like this Jalen Brown report from what Windhorse is saying is old. Like it's, it was a while ago. So we have been in like this kind of world for a while now. Um, but oftentimes so much of this like really matters with like what if Brooklyn just isn't really big on Jalen Brown, you know, it's, it's the, I call it the Tyrese Halliburton rule because the Kings just wanted DeMontis Sabonis and it's like, yeah. they could have gotten so much better than DeMontis Sabonis cause they gave up Tyrese Halliburton, but it's like, no, they just wanted DeMontis Sabonis. So like, it doesn't matter. And so like, it, you just have to understand how much one front office's preference for a player or not can shift an entire fate of like a trade for multiple teams like the team that doesn't get him and then the team that winds up getting him so i obviously brooklyn being high on jalen brown and thinking that he has a couple all nba teams in his future things like that really really matter to this uh because if they don't then the suns do have the better offer because then it's i don't think i don't think i think it gets much closer and you can kind of start to zoom in like you said to the things like years left and salary and all that stuff um derek white has three years left by the way marcus smart has uh four so they'd be, they'd be retaining a, quite a bit there. But Derek White's also making 16, 18, and 19. And I'm not sure that you want to you wanna go that far into it when you're looking at like blowing up your roster, basically, and building around a couple of guys. I'm not sure that would be of interest to them specifically, which is why I think they like probably like took – they like like it's like the guy you trade with fantasy football and you send like counter offers back and forth for like uh, three days. And it's like, why do you keep I- including DK Metcalf in this? Like I keep countering yeah, and not including exactly. DK Metcalf in this. Like it's why? Absolutely that. Yes. It's like, I'm asking for your third wide receiver. Why are you putting my first running back in every <laughs> offer that you submit? This is not, we're not. And that's when you just like, kill the app off of your phone you flick it up off the screen and then you go on with your day because it's not going to happen and I don't know where Boston and and Brooklyn are and that's what complicated it from what Windhorse said the fact that we're getting some outdated information makes it a little hard you also then have Gambo which we won't need don't need to get into um reporting that he's a little skeptical that Brooklyn and Boston would negotiate extensively together and that this might not have gotten to a deep phase so I'm going to ask you one rapid fire question to cap off sort of our specific KD conversation, um, which is what are the chances as you see them that Kevin Durant ends up a son? Because somebody infiltrated my Instagram. I didn't even know I had this many people who followed me, who knew me from the podcast or anything else on my Instagram. But they asked me uh, what I thought. I said 55%. I thought about 51%. Even that felt high, but I do think it's more likely than not. So I guess percentage-wise, that puts you over 50. It felt a little squeamish typing 55%. That felt high, but where would you put it if I just said put a percentage to it with all the information we have right now? There's someone who works in our office who like to ask me. Like it has gone down to the question of like percent now. He doesn't have to say like, what about what do you think about Kevin Durant this week? He just says like, what's the percent? And I told him 72 weeks ago and I told him 60 last week. I think it makes me feel fair. better. I'm in the okay. same range. Yeah. I, I feel really optimistic just based on the reporting that we got a couple. And again, 
the optics of today comparatively in the news cycle, it's like, yes, the news cycle has been re- like rebooted a bit, but this isn't new information we're hearing apparently. So to me, it just kind of goes back to the reporting we heard a couple weeks ago, which is that Kevin Durant's number one destination is Phoenix and Phoenix has a package that, that, that Brooklyn would accept. I think people are going to mix up like the interpretation of what we just talked about comparing the two offers, Boston and Phoenix. Like both you and I agree, like, like Boston would or Brooklyn would accept like the Suns offer like that's that doesn't mean the Suns are out of it by any means but it's just that so much of it comes down to where Durant wants to be and how much that can influence it as opposed to a better deal potentially coming up for them to take so yeah I'm, I'm at 55 60 I'm right with you yeah and I think the the point about you were saying how much does Brooklyn like Jalen Brown that's important I do think the two years left thing matters because he's also not coming off of a, of a rookie contract. He will be an unrestricted free agent in two years, right? So I think that's important. It, it matters that you could, like, the Nets would also be in this wooing, courting process with the guy they're getting back, just like they're sending out somebody who's going to be in that type of phase if Kevin Durant were to go to Boston. That, that I do think, is a dynamic that could complicate that stuff where if they're not able to get every other thing they want from Boston and Brown is kind of the whole package in it in a way, is that enough if you're not certain you're going to keep that guy forever and you might be back to square one anyway, which is, I think, what they're trying to avoid. But let's move on from that specifically. I have one last question for you, and it does relate to KD, of course, but it's not direct. It's If this does last into let's say, September, into training camp, even into the regular season, do you think the Suns can afford to stand pat with the rest of the roster? Because if Donovan Mitchell gets dealt and Utah's fire sale kind of kicks off or we see some of these dominoes start to fall, maybe John Collins' market comes back somehow and he finally gets traded or Colin Sexton makes some noise and ends up in a place we're not expecting. I mean... There are these things left over that the Suns theoretically might want to at least be looking at because I just think it would be, even though we would all know they were still pursuing Kevin Durant, the idea that the waiting on KD turns into going into the next season with basically the same roster that just got trampled in a game seven, I think that would be fairly disappointing to fans, even though we might know, hey, KD might be here in two months it's just not right now. Just hold off a little bit longer. That's a tough needle to thread. It's just hard. But do you think that's what happens? I think there needs to be a point in the next month where, again, I think it's pretty simple. Like, you know what the most is you're willing to give up, right? And you know what the package looks like. It's like you just have to fi- – it's not like you have to – it's not like you have to figure out if you want to trade Devin Booker in this or not. Like he's not involved in the package. You don't even have to like consider that highly. You know what the max threshold is of what you're willing to give up. So finally offer that. And then if they say no, you can be like, okay, we need to go get a ball handler. We need to explore other upgrades at the four. So now if a team is asking for two unprotected first, it's like we were just talking about potentially giving up four. I, I know that it changes by player, but I think that's something that – has to be realized here is that the thought of trading like future first it's like they still they have all of theirs which is why we kept harping on this over and over again so if you have to go out and search for another upgrade instead of Kevin Durant you can still do that and you should try and do that if you can't get Kevin Durant uh, because 
I think that this offseason, unless they get Kevin Durant and don't, this is the only, it's basically the Kevin Durant clause. Unless they get Kevin Durant and do nothing like to the roster, I think this offseason is going to be a failure for them if they don't add another ball handler. I think with everything that we talked about after the Mavericks series with Chris Paul, with his health, with how much they need another threat offensively, with the inconsistencies of the bench, on and on, yada, yada. If we just watch that go by the wayside and then we just come back into camp again with campaign and Landry Shamit uh, as the two other ball handlers and then that's it, like that's that's problematic. That's asking for trouble again. And look, uh, Kevin proposed this on our podcast and said, oh, maybe like what if like 15, 20 games in and then, and then you start to look around the trade market like, yeah, I guess. But like, don't we kind of already know like what the answer is here? It's, it's really unfortunate because – campaign has played really he was really he was one of the three best backup point guards of the league like two years ago i said it more than anyone like they don't make it to the finals without him i kept saying it over and over again he got a they got a discount on his contract with how well he played landry shaman made all the sense in the world for like everything that they were looking for and just finding that extra shooter and finding someone who could maybe do some ball handling occasionally but you cannot do this like three years in a row i think there were reasons last year uh, the timeline boys were a year ahead of me because I looked at the continuity stuff last year and was like, yeah, like you should buy into continuity and improving internally. And they were saying like, no, no, like go, go talk to Harrison Barnes in Sacramento. Like go, go look into other stuff right now because like improving internally and just like kind of running it back ish doing that three years in a row, especially with like the, the chance they have in a championship. And I, I think everyone listening here agrees like it's championship or bust for them right now. So if you you just kind of run it back and just kind of more or less say, like, we got unlucky, things were weird last year, we still yeah. believe that, like, this team I, – I don't see how with the way the last two postseasons ended for them that you can go into this season and believe that we are giving ourselves the best chance at a championship with this current iteration of the roster. And that's the thing, it's like 87% of the way there. It is a team that, in my opinion, you're probably going to think this is a hot takey with how good the West is. Like, I think this team wins at least 55 games next year if it doesn't even change. Like, I think at least. Um, but I think that once teams trapped up in Booker in the first, in the first round, in the second round, in the third round, in the fourth round, maybe like, oh, God, where's yeah. the other guy? Or where's the other guys? Uh, like, they probably need two. So I, that's that's where you start to run into trouble. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's an unenviable position for James Jones to be in. I think your point is valid. I think we don't consider that side of it enough in terms of we all are looking at Sean Marks and saying, all right, dude, like you're really going to chance it with KD coming back. But I also think that there's an element of it on the sun side that like we're just talking about of, okay, you're going to, you're going to just run it back because you didn't want to give up four picks. You wanted to give up three or you didn't want to give up Jay Crowder. You wanted to give up Landry Shamit. Like at a certain point, if you're the Suns, you also have to kind of stop being cute about it if you are and move forward and it's I don't a lot of this is hypothetical but it's obviously the types of things that are going on in terms of the conversations around that front office and they have to do something so you also lose the leverage if you wait until if you finally do make that decision of hey we're going to start poking around on other stuff all the other teams are going to pick up the phone and go oh yeah you realize you you needed not just you know, Kevin Durant or bust this off season, you, you might need some other stuff, huh? Well, the price went up like that. It's all mess. It's all t- kind of tough. And I think that the, the way that this has, has dragged hasn't really benefited anybody. I don't even know if it benefited Brooklyn. And I think that's part of why it's so frustrating from all of our standpoint is like, nothing's really changing. It's just time is passing, but um, that 
We'll do it for today, folks. Uh, thank you for making Locked on Suns your first listen. Whenever news like this breaks here on this Tuesday, we'll be here uh, the rest of the week. More news potentially. Aaron Edwards will, of course, be here to close out the week with us in our last week of daily shows. But until then, go make Locked on NBA your second listen to catch up on everything else going on around the league. Listen to Kellen on the radio. Read him at ArizonaSports.com. And I will talk to you guys tomorrow.